you're going to go through little highs and lows, but if you've done it right, you won't have those big where you're digging yourself out of a big bottom of a barrel, you know, you're actually maintaining. There's, there's going to be parts that is going to suck, and I mean, it sucks for all of us. It sucks for the pros. <laughs> This is Tyler Anderson, and you're listening to the Life Short Podcast, my journey to my first Ironman. And today, really excited, uh, got a special guest, Brian Rhodes. Um, Brian, welcome to the program. Hi, Tyler. Thanks. Uh, so Brian is a uh, former professional Ironman. He was a five-time champion and has raced over 70 Ironman. so definitely the most seasoned uh, Ironman triathlete that we've had on the program. <laughs> And uh, Brian's from New Zealand, and so really energetic guy, really excited to hear from him all about his experience in the sport, and uh, hope to learn something. So again, welcome to the program, man. Super excited to have you. Cool. Thanks for having me on. Here, Tyler. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your background in the sport. You know, 70 Ironmans don't come overnight, so where did it kind of start? I started, obviously, uh, when I was in the realm of getting into triathlon we always came from one sort of background of sport uh, I was a swimmer I swam for New Zealand uh, went as close to what um, the Commonwealth Games trials um, which is sort of like Pan American Championships uh, sort of uh, you know always strived as a little boy to, to, to represent your country at the Olympics uh, but uh, funnily enough I hung out at school with a few um, cyclists and always did every sport going just to get out of school, not much of a scholar, just uh, want to do sport. And uh, then this uh, triathlon thing came up in secondary schools, sort of, um, so what uh, what you call uh, college here, sort of. And, um, yeah, my friends, like, just sort of said, oh, you'd be really good at that. You swim awesome. Um, you hang out with us. I'll just, you know, one of my friends lo loaned me his, like, $5,000 racing bike for my first ever bike, ride, cool. you know, triathlon race. And, uh and I'd done cross-country, any running sort of events. And, uh, yeah, went out there and basically just smashed it. I think I won by about six or seven minutes. And uh, instead of getting, like, a medal or a ribbon from a normal swimming event, I got, uh, I think it was a 100 buck voucher. Um, I got some cycling gear, you know, some bits and pieces that just made it like, wow, this is just amazing, you know. I've, I've made some money in this game. I can, uh, you know, this is this is so much better than just chasing the black lines. So uh, yeah, it sort of just kicked off my interest in triathlon, and uh, it had just started getting um, more and more popular. And obviously, we had some amazing role role models in New Zealand with uh, Rick Wells and Aaron Baker, who were at the current time, I think, um, in '89 Avignon, they had won the World Olympic Distance Triathlon champs. So. Yeah. You know, they were um, big stars pretty much in New Zealand. So I thought, well, you know, this could be something that would be my calling. So you started out as a swimmer. You're from Taupo, New Zealand? I was born in Christchurch, New Zealand, but okay. I live in Taupo, New Zealand. A lot of uh, athletics kind of centered around that part of New Zealand? Uh, yeah, Christchurch was um, a great sort of uh, training place. Uh, it had uh, the 1974 Commonwealth Games, so basically, okay. you know, very sporting sort of town. Um, great. Um, if, you, if it reminds you of anything, it sort of does remind you a little bit of Boulder, other than the oceans right there. Um, got you've got the mountains and the plains. Um, 
you know, uh, Scott Molina calls at home now, so he resides there with Aaron Baker in Christchurch. So, yeah, it was just a great sporting ground for nurturing your, your upbringing. Cool. And so when you started in the triathlon sports, uh, what distance were you uh, were you kind of competing in first? Yeah, well, there was never really many sprint distance triathlons. Um, jumped straight in. I think uh, my second ever triathlon was um, Olympic distance, and I qualified for um, Commonwealth Games. So oh, cool. uh, I went to the Commonwealth Games in 1990 and um, in triathlon. And as a junior, they had it was a demonstration sport. So they'd um, opened it up for um, uh, age groupers and elites. So you had all elites and the age, um, not age groupers, but the juniors, the junior elite um, had been picked to be able to race. So they actually had a junior race as well. So it was it was a massive highlight. It's still one of the greatest races I've ever done. Um, cool. When you've got a course that was, I think it was... Was it 10k and we did it four times on the bike and there was not a place that wasn't lined with spectators oh, cool. it just the hair on the back of your neck just stood up and it was just amazing so yeah i love the crowd aspect you know the training the training for triathlon in general especially like a long distance race like the ironman can be pretty brutal and pretty I don't want to say boring, but like certainly lonely out there on the road. So anytime you get the opportunity to compete in an organized event, the crowds really jack you up. Yeah, especially being in New Zealand, it was just oh, it was a, a highlight. To, um, and obviously, Aaron Baker and Scott Molina won on the oh, main cool. sort of feature race. Um, uh-huh. And that sort of launched it to push towards that Olympic um, birth. I mean, we are a sport of like, this is the 40th year of uh, Hawaii Ironman. We're still such a baby sport and we've been in the past previous four Olympics. So it's, it's, it's phenomenal that we've done as much in a sport in such a short space of time. Uh, but it is like the journey is, is hard. I mean, um, everyone sees you know i man and all they talk about is kona i suppose if you've talked to anyone they mm. probably you know you go oh, i'm doing i man they go oh have you done hawaii or have done kona i mean right. it's it's the first or if even if like, olympic distance triathletes they probably get asked that because that's the one that has been seen on nbc been seen by a lot more people seen all those those crawls and all the breakdowns yeah. and all that sort of stuff that now, the way they pro- project that sort of race is just a show more than uh, anything. So, well, it's cool. It's I, I mean, I'm flattered that people that I talk to, I'm prepared to tell them what the heck it is, and they know of Kona. So that's cool that people, you know, the the most of the general public knows what it is because of the Hawaii yeah. Ironman. Yeah. So what um, what kind of springboarded you into the Ironman distance? Then, like, did you find that? You were just naturally good at those added hours, or um, I was always. I really dug myself into the training. I loved the training. Um, I could train hours and hours and hours. Um, I wasn't bad at the the short Olympic distance sort of stuff, but that was when everyone was running around thirty two to thirty five minutes. Right. Not not now, like where you've got to run sub thirty minutes. Like all the guys are running twenty nine minutes. It's just it's crazy. It, it blows your mind. Yeah. So um. You know, I, I just, it was a progression, um, and, I, you know, I struggled with it. Like, we we had to race at 20, as soon as you turned 20, you had to race seniors. There was no under-23 championship. Mm. You were straight into 
racing guys that were seasoned veterans that are 28, 30 years old that were were just they just better trained. Um, and you know, like you can go on like nowadays, what you're seeing is purest, pure triathletes. These triathletes have started when they're five or six year old, and they've started building towards triathlon they haven't come just from a single sport they've sort of got that balance like that you know their parents or the you know people that have got them into the triathlon have been doing it for 30 odd years yeah so you're seeing these not so much like there is still a huge amount of talent at that very very high level of olympic triathlon but you're seeing more purist triathletes that were brought into the sport at a very, very fine young age yeah. and trained to do triathlon, which is which is great. It's awesome to see. We we were all from either a swimming or a biking or a running background, right. and generally you wanted to be from the running background because you could sort of learn the other two, and it's swim and bike for show and run for the dough sort right. of thing. So, right. you know, um, I mean, it just, you progressed. And it, 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 like anything, the hours you put in, you'll get, the reward at the end as long as you you know it's not triathlon is not rocket science there's no magic magic potion that's going to make you different to the next athlete that takes it up it's it's determination training good nutrition just doing the hours really yeah and 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 trying to refine the hours yeah and you know for me um i i've set the bar pretty high with wanting to do an Ironman essentially in my first year of triathlon experience because I come from kind of a running and biking background but mainly my runs have all been you know age group fun runs I never ran competitively I was a hockey player growing up so I got the legs for it I got the endurance for it um and then of uh, you know most recently when I moved to Colorado I started mountain biking and raced for a team for a couple years um but still age grouper type 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 stuff, you know, getting some, you know, gift cards here and there. So at the end of the day, it was like, yeah, you know, like I, I've, I've been around the sport long enough. I had done a couple of um, triathlons when I made the decision that I wanted to kind of, you know, set the bar high and go for Ironman and had enough people in the sport that were like, man, you've got the grit, you know, you've got the enthusiasm, you put your mind to stuff and you can do it. And to your point about training, um, I mean, as a working professional and somebody who, you know, does a lot of things, you know, a lot of travel, other interests, like it's hard to find the time to train for something like this. So I'm coming into it. My race is uh, in, I guess, 10 days. And so the reality is kind of setting in. And frankly, like the first thing that I'm feeling is like utter fear. Don't fear it. I think that's the greatest thing about like, yeah, it, it is probably the biggest you know sporting thing you've set your mind to but don't don't fear it like as i said go go into it with an a b and c plan sure and try try to nail nail your a plan but if your a plan sort of goes a little astray there's the b plan and you just you just work with that i mean 10 days you should have basically you're on taper now so it's the it's the fun part so um 10 days you just got to do the right things you know just um Increase a little bit more so salt in your mm-hmm. in your diet. Just okay. be a bit aware of that. Um, more hydration because you don't. A lot of people get to that last week and go, oh shit, I've got to start slamming water and slamming all this. What happens is that really affects your body quite dramatically. Mm. If you do it over a good progression of of these ten days, just mm. just add a little bit more. Um, go to bed with 
whatever your sports drink or a little bit you know something to, okay. to, to do through the night just these things that people probably haven't suggested to you just add little things through the, through the week just so you don't get to that time where you actually have got that you know two or three days where you're actually over at the event you're not working you're not you know just be aware that if you've progressively sort of done this you're not going to get to that time where you've got all this time on and you're starting slamming things and you might feel oh wow I want, I want to go out there and I can you know I've got all this time on it you know just keep the sessions short add a little bit more punch in it put a little bit more intensity you know but just short parts you know okay. don't don't think you have to you know don't overdo it a lot of people get that time off work and they've got all this time and they, they you know just you know, do do other things. Do um, added extra stretching. You've got extra rest now. Yeah. Grab a nap if you feel like it. Um, do things that will help your body get prepared for the Ironman. You know, um, uh, start thinking, going through your things. Uh, write write a list of you know so that you're not going to forget anything. It is a nerve wracking time, and you just don't want to miss anything. So yeah. you know, you go, you're going to tick those boxes. So yeah. That's the important thing because that will that will keep your mind sort of occupied and and less less bringing that apprehension and fear. It's, yeah, the angst. Yeah, the angst. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, and you know, to add to it, I mean, this race is in Maryland. We're in Colorado, so all the things that are going through my head is like check the boxes like i've never packed a bike in a bike box before and <laughs> i've got to figure out what to pack and yeah. make sure like yeah. run the checklist and yeah. so that's a good reminder that the things that are actually important like the bike will get there yeah it's it but if i spend too much time thinking about all the things that i need to do and then on top of that like getting my taper training in i'll forget to drink water and protein before i go to bed and before you know it like i'm showing up malnourished and my muscles are kind of stale and yeah they just get stiff and stuff you don't want to try and slam everything because then all of a sudden you're flushing all this good stuff that you like you need your your magnesium potassium and all that and then a lot of people go i had really massive issues with a cramping or b you know my stomach and stuff it's because you're doing too much too close to the race if Mm. you spread it out over a longer period your body's more like oh wow cool and it's it's just funny it it, your body sort of knows that it's coming to tackle some big thing because you just the way that you've you've done your main training and and all of a sudden you're doing these lighter sessions with a little bit more punch it's going oh something's happening it's sort of like you know and it gets it gets absorbed you know yeah. it gets it's getting ready you know so so i've done thing. in terms of training i think the longest day that i really had and at this point you know it's kind of too late to even worry about it but the, lo- the longest day i had was an 80 mile bike ride and then a 10 mile brick run on Straight top off. of it yeah. so you know basically i mean much longer bike ride than like a half distance <laughs> and then roughly the run of a half distance yeah. and i figure the, the the final 13 miles of that marathon are just going to be a suffer fest anyway and hopefully the crowd and the nutrition can get me through it i figured yeah. like putting the pain and suffering on my body to just say that i did a 20 mile run or something seemed like overkill what's yeah. what's your thought process no in your definitely training? i mean obviously with your time constraints it's it's impossible to get quite what you know what the our level of pros sort of get get in. We we definitely do a lot more, but then we've got a lot more time to recover and get all those you know do all those added extra things. I think what you you've really be cautious with is not getting too excited. You know, you get out of the swim. Um, a lot of people, you know, you've got to realize that 
whatever your swim time is, if it's an hour, hour and 15, an hour and 30, you're already that distance behind in your nutrition plan. Sure. So, so you got to be uh, aware. I always did, um, I, I put a gel shot straight in my um, suit, mm-hmm. and even for a pro, or in your side, your swim cap, or whatever oh, you okay. feel comfortable right. with. Yeah. You know, just so you know, it's the, you, you, you rip it, the, just the easiest flavor you get down, um, you know, the lightest flavor, you generally are like a vanilla or something like that, that, you can take quite quickly. There's always drink stations right there out of the swim. Yeah. Take it, hit it. And then you you're, you're you're already trying to start fueling, and a gel is is quite um, instant sort of energy. Okay. Um, because you, you do get behind, and if you get behind just with your swim, then you're already suffer. You know, you you can't play catch up along the way because your body can only absorb so many calories. Right. So what what the best thing is 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 just pay attention to that that first. 40, 50 miles on the bike, not to get too excited, get too jizzed up, and a lot of people can blow a whole Ironman in that first 40, 50 miles. Just ride conservative if you've got a power meter, or even if you're just going by miles per hour, or whatever on your speedometer, and or time. Just look at those, and don't particularly worry about anyone else, and just, you know, whatever you've done, setting your um, watch to beep every whatever to do your nutrition, make sure you're trying to keep on top of that. Okay. A lot of people, they go too hard, they get excited, they're going faster than their, you know, pace that they've sort of, prog- you know, programmed, mm-hmm. and then they struggle trying to actually take in the calories or the oh, fuel. Yeah. So it's not so much like, oh, you know, after this big race, like, oh, I had this part and this probably, you're going to go through little highs and lows. But if you've done it right, you won't have those big where you're digging yourself out of a big bottom of a barrel. You know, you're actually maintaining. There's there's going to be parts that is going to suck. And I mean, it sucks for all of us. It sucks for the pros. Yeah. You know, but the problem is, is when we're racing for a prey check, You've got to make it hurt just that little bit more, a little bit harder, and and you know dig into your resources that little bit further. But um, for you guys, you just ride them out. Make sure that if you know, as I was saying, your A and B plan, and just try and stick with your nutrition goal. A lot of people just get a little bit too excited, and if you're excited early on, you want to be excited near the end, you yeah. know, and feeling great. Right. But then you do want to feel like when you've come across that line that you've you're spent, you know, you do want to feel like, shit, I did give it everything I've got on that last one, you don't want to feel like, you don't want to go, oh, what if I'd pushed a little bit more? Right, I still have some gas in the tank. Yeah, so so if you're feeling good in that last 10 mile, give her, give her everything you got, because, you know, it's, it's funny, like, the funniest thing is, is if you're feeling great and everyone else is blowing to bits in that last, you'll just keep passing people all the time. And that's a great way to lift that's your spirits. Feeling, yeah, it's yeah. a great feeling. Yeah, so, for sure. You know? <laughs> all right. Well, that's good advice. Um, so in terms of nutrition, you shared that sometimes you'll set alarms on your watch. Are you operating or would you recommend that I operate on a one-hour format, basically every hour that I look at my watch, like what did I take in last hour and plan by the hour? Um, well, no, break it down even even in smaller amounts, 15 minutes. Um, okay. So um, maybe need like, you know, a, um, a gel or some sort of carbohydrate with some sort of sort of water, um, you know, or every, and then every second one, and maybe a salt tablet. So you're taking a salt tablet every half an hour, you know, okay. so you don't get behind in those sorts of things, you know. Okay. Um, just set what you have sort of 
trained with you always do less in training so you want to do more in the race you get what i'm saying so you want to take more nutrition in just because you're obviously operating at a higher amount of calories put out then then you're going to be able to and you know obviously you got to work that your body's only going to roughly get around 400 450 maybe if you're lucky 500 calories you know that it can actually absorb into energy you don't want to get all this stuff in your stomach just absolutely sitting there and and you know not being able to process it into energy so you want to you want to work with what you're capable of you're always gonna be depleted at the end but Mm -hmm. that's not a problem that's that's really where the next day is you're just like holy moly i just got run over by an 18 wheeler yeah you know that's that's okay that's going to be the recovery you and know that's after the race that's after the race right. so you know just set your programs to to what you want to take every quarter because you can break it down so you know that you're working with you know six hours whatever on the bike so you know you know you're trying to keep so you're not getting behind i, I mean it's a lot harder when um in the pro field like you, we might have an abcd plan because you can't control what someone else is going to do in the race but it might be a defining yeah if they factor. take off or something yeah you yeah. might have to you might want to limit your losses and stuff like that it's it's what you've got to you've got to play with your strengths so um you know it'd be great to know that you're going to get off the bike and always run a 240 marathon you know like that's that's what you really want to want to aim for but when i had my swimming bike was super strong and my marathon got better over time i always have to play my cards in the right order so that i could either build a lead yeah because there was only very few times that i i felt like crikey i just feel on and you know everything sort of came together and you know um it's interesting those days you'll have really good fast times right through you probably the first um in the swim of the bike um in times overall and then your run will will be right up there in as well yeah you, you, it's, it's just when you have those days that are balanced that's how you win an ironman um but um it takes a lot of trial and error it, it didn't come to me easy i mean i suffered through my very first one um i tried to take in a lot i, I probably experimented too much even in the race um I was gun ho I didn't give it the respect, and I, I guess that's fair enough. Being a pro, I'm young, young guy of 24, you know, but um, you know, full of uh, full of spite and energy, and just tearing it, tearing a new one. But it, it comes back to bite you, and it comes sure. back to bite you hard. And in an iron distance race, it's it's a long event, and things can go horribly yeah. wrong. So uh, yeah, I just. Uh, I, I really the the best advice is as I said just you know get get some of your money back that you've paid for doing the Ironman and, and utilize those aid stations. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing. Volunteer community is, is amazing. We we always get amazing volunteers at our events that I'm now working with and and uh, you know they do really appreciate being out there and like getting feedback from athletes and yeah. you know seeing the athletes go through it. It's 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 just a great journey really it is and you know you said we we talked about plans and for the folks that are listening you know a lot of a lot of these folks have not done one of these things before have only gotten their feet wet similar to where i was 10 10 weeks uh 10 months Mm -hmm. ago 
the, the idea of having an A, B, and C plan sounds like this thing that we're like, well, what does that really mean? And I think in practicality, it means when you get out there and you realize that you're feeling much different than you ever did on your longest training ride, it's time to adapt. And it's yeah. like, oh shit, well, I'm here. It's not like I can hit the pause button and wake up tomorrow and try again. Yeah. It's like, what are you going to do? Yeah. And for the people that want to be competitive, it's like, yeah, you know that you could typically get off the bike and run a three-hour marathon or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, what's a what's a bad bike in the first half of 112 miles mean for that that run? You know what I mean? And how can you prepare to, you know, if you're feeling shitty, like, yeah. what are you going to do to try to preserve that three-hour marathon if that's what you if you really want? Yeah, that, you, you, that's your, your goal line. So, so you write your, your, your obviously, your A and B plan, and, and you, you try to, because you're out there trying to manage yourself on a day that you've, no one's ever, unless they've obviously done an Ironman before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you're not going to be training in those conditions that you get on race day. You're not going to be training with the numbers of people that mm-hmm. you are racing with. And that's another factor. You know, you've got all these variables, and you've got to work with those variables. So that's why you have these different plans, because, you know, you've got to be out there and, and adapt. And and it's just like it for us in the pro race as it is for you, for you guys in the age group race. We we have to change things how it goes. So it's uh, it's like a um, script, but you can't tell what's going to happen in the end. You can't tell the ending. You you write your own movie throughout the yeah. whole day's race. So yeah. um, and that's one great way of looking at it. He he, you've got a good A and B plan. So that there goes your dialogue or your script. And how you, your ending's going to be is how your day adapts to that, that uh, those scripts. So a real fear of mine is not necessarily that I'm going to overexert myself in the bike. I mean, that is, that is something that I need to be conscious of because I'm a fairly decent biker. Not fast like the pros or even elite guys, but like I can get on the bike and grind. My, <laughs> legs, my legs just have it in them. But that said, like... What is the what's the reason why most people drop out of these things and like what should I actually be very conscious of? Ninety nine percent of the, the the problem is either probably going in underdone or carrying some sort of niggle injury, um, or there's weather factors when it's bitterly cold, okay, or whether it's going to be incredibly hot. Uh-huh. And part of it, if it's incredibly hot then it can be a lot of what they've done prior, you know, like just not fueling and slamming before. So they just have incredibly bad cramping, stuff that they just can't deal with. And then it becomes more of a mental battle than a physical battle. And a lot of the Ironman is mental more than physical. Your body can do amazing things. The body is an amazing tool. So my body will get through even if it takes me 14, 15 hours. I'm shooting for 13. I think that would be a decent time for somebody like me who's frankly been a lot, been very busy and fitting in what I can. I mean, yeah. I average like 12, maybe 15 hours a week. Yeah. You know? now, that's, that's tough. Like to do an Ironman on 12 to 15 hours of training, you know, that's basically sort of your length of the race so that's right. to do it for the week you know you're right. spreading it over seven days whereas right. you're going to try and cram that all into one day right so yeah i mean it, it's amazing a lot of people can go really good like you know it's as long as you prioritize 
how you want to go. And, you know, you've got... This is your first one, so you've got no time expectations. Right. After the first one, that's that's where things change. Right. <laughs> so everyone's got to be a PR. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, <laughs> and, and that's where it gets very complicated, and you know things get out of hand, and sure. that's where the money starts really rolling. So <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, a tale of things to come. I mean, I hope this is the first of many. I hope I'm crossing the finish line totally hooked oh, when uh, yeah you'll be you know, I hear that I'm an Iron Man. <laughs> it's, it's a massive drug. It's the the biggest. <laughs> endorphin drug you can have and uh they likened it like that's that's the biggest thing that i've found and the hardest thing i've actually had to deal with um finishing my professional career is Mm. you do get this really withdrawal symptoms and you do go into i've been into the darkest places where i've going what the hell have i been doing with my life yeah because i've stopped this 20-year obsession you know 20-year drug addiction yeah um so you know that's that's part of my experience so yeah i can see how it becomes so addictive but you you do and and try to really try to keep a good balanced life because it can absorb so many people and it's a bad thing and a good thing yeah um but if you can keep a really good balance it, it, it makes you a better person i believe yeah, and you know, Kevin uh, Konchak, who uh, we spoke to in the previous episode, talked about the dark place that he ended up in after just uh, uh, DQing out of Kona one time. I mean, he qualified 19 times, Ooh. he competed in 13, he completed 12. So yeah. one time, he passed out, round in the hot corner, and ended up, you know, waking up in the ambulance. And um, he said just like, that amount like that felt like such a failure that he it almost derailed him from the sport and actually he's got a really cool story about what got him back into it and in his first or second race back into the sport after that um disqualification or whatever we call it dnf or whatever he um he posted his fastest marathon of any ironman that he ever did well there you go i mean getting back on the horse is is something it is hard i mean things happen there's things that are out you control and you just you don't know why it happened, sort of unexplaining, and you do go back. I mean, uh, you see a lot of the pros, DNF. I mean, some some you don't know why, and some are unexplained. I've had my fair share, but we're out there trying to make money, and Iron Man's not something that you just, if something goes wrong, you can just finish. I've, I've had a few where... It's just imperative to finish because it's good for your head, you know. Um, it's a lot easier to suffer through it and finish than take to walk off the course and, you know, just feel, because you do, you just go to the, the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. And, I mean, the world's, there's a huge amount of pressure. Kona is the one race that you want to do the best that you can be. And you've got one day out of 365 to get, it exactly right yeah and how some can do it over and over again and how you know it it was it's such a hard hard event so much time energy money you pour everything into that one one race and on this dirty rock in in the middle of the pacific that's super hot and you just out there yeah just barren and and you're trying to prove to your peers, to your country, to everyone that you're worthy of being there. And, you know, uh, it's, 
it's a prick of a place yeah. and it's just incredibly hard so much expectation and so much you know it's just anguish when you don't perform the way you want to perform um so yeah i know what what they go through and then you still even competing it you'll feel this and and wait until you've done it about two or three days later you'll get what's called the iron man blues you've done this huge euphoric race you've had the huge finish you know it's you you're walking on clouds you know you could you know you're king of the world for that that time and yeah and then all of a sudden everything's sort of you you leave in the vent everything's disbanded you there's another one next week that other people are doing yeah yeah you, yeah. you, you get tied up and and that's where a lot of people instantly go right we're signing up let's you know <laughs> out comes the credit card bang you know next next time and because boom you, you instantly have that goal in you know but um, if you don't have that uh, sort of goal to, to sort of go to, you, you'll get into this l bit of a lull, and yeah. it's what called the Iron Man Blues. Okay. And, um, you know, just ride it like the wave that it is. Um, you, you, yeah, it's it's kind of <laughs> it's amazing because it's it's like a it's like the circus. You know, they've come to town, you've you've partaked in the circus, and then it's gone, and, and you're like, on. yeah, you're sad yeah. until you do your next <laughs> one. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's the the perfect way to explain it. So all right, so that I mean that excites me. So let's talk a little bit. I mean, what's um what's your fondest memory in Ironman or your best race or what uh, like when you think back, it's it was all worth it. Oh, I mean every race was all worth it. But um no, probably the highlight of of um my um Ironman career was actually my first win. I think. I think if you ask anyone with their first Ironman win, mine happened to be extra, extra special. Um, it was my 28th birthday. Oh, I was cool. racing on my 28th birthday. I had, was racing the the first guy to have ever gone under eight hours, uh, Lothar Leader. Okay. I was unsure whether I could beat him. I, I know I'd trained really, really well. I managed to put on a great day and, and won by seven minutes over him. Wow. So, um Still a massive highlight of my Ironman career. Luckily, he was slightly in the off-season. He was coming from Germany. It was incredibly hot there. Sure. I'd had my summer to prepare. But it doesn't mean, like, you know, to take down a name like that. It's sort of finally I sort of thought, right, you know, this this is something that I can actually make a career of and, and do okay. I'm, I'm actually okay at this. I'm, I'm fairly good. I could yeah. uh, make a bit of money. And, and um, yeah, then there's just... The, the only five, the five wins that I managed to get were those five incredible days where I woke up and I just felt like, oh, those boys are gonna have a hard day beating me. You know, <laughs> right. they're really gonna have to work if they want to beat me. They're gonna have to go into some deep dark places. So, I love that. You know, um, <clears throat> there's a couple that I had to work hard at, but um, you know, I, I still own the course record in Malaysia, um, which is great. Awesome. Um, you know, Ironman Canada was another massive win for me. It was it was a day that I struggled actually. Uh, everything didn't come together, but I actually managed to have one of my better runs. I ran a two fifty four marathon, which actually sealed the deal. I was there, always there, and you know my swim was was a wee bit off that day. I'd been focusing so hard on my bike and run that um you know I and I just put it together. Um, I came off. About seven minutes ahead of the guy that I feared in the run, um, Jasper Blake, um, but 
by halfway I sort of knew I had it in the bag I sort of looked and he had only maybe taken a minute out of me and in the end I actually he he fell apart a wee bit and he got passed for second place um, and ended up third by a guy that I never had heard of again like a Swiss guy and this is the thing you can you know these guys come out of the woodworks from never to be heard again you know so right. you wonder but um you know I had a great day there and, and to have won that one it was it was great because that was my first ever Ironman outside of my home country so okay. I've done New Zealand a couple of years and then I did Canada so um, that was my first international Ironman outside and that was and that back, was in Whistler no 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 this is in Penticton Canada oh, okay. so got before it. it had moved to Whistler uh, got um, it. Uh, it was it was interesting because the year that I raced um, in Canada um, I was pretty nervous like it was obviously a big race I'd gone over and prepared quite well I'd trained in the actual area that the race was on and uh that was when there was only I think five global Ironman in the world really and I we had Thomas Hellregal, Peter Reed, King La, Pauli Kuru, um, Jeff Devlin all these really awesome guys turn up and I'm mm-hmm. like I got 11th one outside the pay money. <laughs> so I was like, oh, no. ah, spewing, you know. <laughs> but it was the first time that I'd raced such big calibre. Yeah. Like, um, always King Glau, always used to come to New Zealand. And the first time I ever did the race, like I, you know, my wetsuit sponsor had sponsored him as well. I let out of the water by four and a half minutes. Absolutely just turned myself inside out on the bike. Um, I came off third, not far behind Ken. I actually ran up to him in the run. I was going, this shit's easy, you know? (laughs) But then at 12K, I started just vomiting. And that was it. I actually had a half an hour sleep in the run. Did you really? Yeah, I absolutely lay down a tree. And um, my girlfriend (laughs) at the time came up to me and said, you better get up and start bloody running. Otherwise, the girls, the, the women are going to start catching <laughs> okay. And I was, you know, like being a boy, a guy, you know, I was like, I'm not letting any girls beat me, you know. Right. And I think I beat the girl by about one minute. You know, I think it was Jane Wanklin, I think. And I ended up like, I was on target. If I'd run a three-hour marathon, I would have been like, you know, uh, I think under nine hours, I would have been like 8.50 in the 8.50 range, and I ended up nearly running four hours and ending up um, in the 9.50 range sort of thing. You know, Well, with so, a half-hour nap under yeah. a tree, you still beat my marathon time, so <laughs> I go. think I'll be probably close to four and a half, five hours, but you know what? I'm going to have fun doing it. That's important. So do you know anything about the Maryland course? I figure maybe it would make sense to talk a little bit about what I think I'm going to be approaching, and maybe you've got some tips or you know things that you've um, run into well no they've never had a, a pro race out in maryland and um other than the eagleman and i don't know if it's in the same was, area as, as yeah eagleman. i mean it's, it, it's both on the eastern shore and i think they turn the eagleman or i guess the eagleman still runs yeah. just a different time of yeah. year yeah, and really, i think yeah. it's roughly the same place okay so we swim in the chop tank river okay uh, which is an, uh, an estuary that opens up into the Chesapeake Bay. And yeah. where it is, Cambridge is, yeah, the, Cambridge the chop tank is okay. fairly wide. Okay. So it can get really choppy. Okay. You actually get currents from the um, bay. Yeah. Now, the there's a little bit of like a cove that they situate the swim in. And uh-huh. I, from what I was reading, we're going to be able to swim. It's a two-lap course. And the longer length of the, of the rectangle... Um, is both down current. Current, okay. So you're getting a little assistance. I think so. Yeah, that's I mean, that's awesome. I mean, um, they do that also the Chattanooga 
races oh, um, right, all, all the down river. the river yeah uh-huh. so it's a su- super fast one a lot of, a lot of the weak swimmers like going to that one sure you know the fast swims um you know i i mean the great thing is you'll probably be able to get to check it out and do the swim it's you know always try to go as close to what your sort of start time is because then you're going to get more of the true okay true sort of time okay you know um it will be uh, hard because you're obviously coming from a few hours time change so yeah you know um maybe just the day you know even if you look it over but as long as you get out and sort of see the course you know um it gives you the the orientation and and feel of what the water's going to do i mean you can't adjust what that the currents and all that are doing so just familiarize yourself with what areas are and what sort of sighting you're going to see and um sort of points that you know like you know i'm seem to be going well or whatever you know you're not really stopping looking at you know you don't have the clock or or you know unless you do stop and look at your watch but um you know i just feel like your swim is your 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 prelude to everything else just just be aware that you just want to get in feel like a good strong stroke stroke you know always do a bit of a Mm warm-up um it's just to get through that you know unless you're a really supreme swimmer and you're looking to to make a make a little bit of uh you know that's your sort of bread and butter you get in there and swim hard and you know um that's just just you you know it always be people say why don't they do the swim at the end instead of the start you know um that'd be pretty terrible die Die, yeah yeah, they'd drown (laughs) but it's just a prelude it's it's just getting you getting you set up for the um for the thing so yeah, cool. And, and um, you know, I've swam, I've done a few open water two-mile swims, so I feel okay about it. Yeah. Now, I've swam mainly in Colorado, so it's all lake swims, so you don't get currents, you don't get choppy water really here in the state of Colorado unless yeah. you're out in really shit conditions. Yeah, and windy conditions. Yeah, so we got to kind of see about that and to the point about wind. I mean, this course is flat. Yeah. And it's flat. in a wildlife refuge, but what I've read on the bike and the run is that you can get some pretty nasty crosswinds, even yeah. headwinds. Yeah, you'll get winds. I think that's, but that's, everyone's in it. So if you don't over like you're riding big deep dish fronts and disc wheels, you know, uh-huh. you're going to be able to handle them all right. And everyone's sort of, you know, in the same boat. So, you know, um, the greatest thing is the swim's going to be early, early on. So you generally don't have those wins. So you won't. So. Yeah. So. I mean, I'm interested to kind of, you know, see and feel what the race day conditions look like. It's a crapshoot, and that's like, I try to get out in pretty inhospitable, turbulent conditions. Like, I don't cut a ra- I don't cut a training day out because it's windy. Yeah. I ride 93 where, you know, there's good crosswinds and stuff, but like... Well, that's one good thing. Colorado does provide a lot of crosswinds and different sort of situations, so you do generally find you'll get similar sort of race conditions to what you're going to get anyway. I mean, it would have to be terrible sort of conditions to really put a downer on a day anyway. And generally, like, what you'll find is wind will build, heat will build, so you've got to adapt to that, you know. Just be prepared that what you are targeting to just, you know, be adaptive to, okay, I'm going to get, a lot more heat so i want to be you know try to fuel accordingly yeah try to be prepared accordingly so that you get on feeling the best you can you know yeah just don't change dramatic things there's nothing you can do going into it just get out there familiarize yourself with the course 
If you, if it, I think it's a two-lap course on the bike, or is it a three? Two-lap on a bike, and then on two and a half on the run. run. So, so get just of get out. Like that's the great thing. You can ride the run course, so you, you get a you know oh, cool. get a good, yeah, good idea. get a, get a good feel for that run course. Don't obviously run it unless you you know you can do parts of it. Yeah. Unless you're really feeling like you know wanting to do a full lap, um, go out there and familiarise yourself with bits and try and as I said, just try to. Do it at the same sort of time. Think, right, okay, so if you want to drive and ride part of the back end of the course or something, just because, you know, I mean, riding it gives you a much vis- better visual um, sort of thing. So if you drive out, try and ride that section when you will be riding it, okay? If you want to run a section of it, drive out to it, run that section at the same time. So you're actually trying to tune into the conditions that you might face at that time of the of the race, so... Yeah, that makes sense. I think my biggest enemy is just going to be the fact that I've never put all these distances together. (laughs) And then the nutrition, just making sure that I don't get blindsided by whatever it is and then forget, oh shit, I haven't had a you know a gel well that's why i said maybe minutes. set your alarm you know your beeper to go off every 15 minutes Smart. you know it's, it's just it's a mental thing because you're not really looking at it all you're looking at is your speedo your power meter or whatever so if you've got a beeper and it's beeping 15 minutes you go oh right i should take some nutrition it, it just it clicks your mind into doing that you know or if you set it 20 minutes whatever you set you should try and program your your sort of schedule to what nutrition you want to take every 15 20 even 10 minutes whatever whatever it works whatever the beeper is going off is what you're trying to take in where do you store all this stuff okay well the greatest thing nowadays is there are great you know like a lot of suits now have pockets a a lot of different little aero do hackies you know bags and bits and pieces that you can top tube yeah top tube and and that is the ideally the best place to stick it if you can stick it right in front of you okay it's there visually so you go right oh yeah i need to you know and then you can reload it at the special needs or reload it at the aid stations you're a little bit more disadvantaged because you're not using the nutrition that they're actually handing out but you can still get bananas and do supplement them with you got you know your banana won't hurt you you know once Mm -hmm. in a while it'll it'll help or you know and if you do get handed something um like say you're accident you're going for water and you get a gatorade you know Mm -hmm. just remember okay i'm going to take some gatorade just try and Take, like even the premix bottles which it is it's the sports sort of bottles that you can buy at the shop make sure right okay i'll take this it's got energy but just use water with it you know I've loosen it off so i've trained i mean i do have my own mix and mm-hmm. i'm gonna try to stick to it yep. but i have trained enough with gatorade to know that it's it's it not gonna to- put a rock in my stomach good well that's important like yeah, as long as it's reason. not gonna toxic make you throw up that's the that's the main thing you want to do don't yeah don't at all costs do not throw up because as soon as you throw up you you start um you know you're already fighting a a battle that you're not going to win with nutrition you know we've talked a lot about gi issues um across the the episodes of the podcast it's a real issue for people (laughs) well it's it's a major major thing like fingers crossed i got an iron stomach yeah well that's what you need So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm really excited about it. Um, you know, hopefully I cross the finish line and I'm super fired up. What, um, what's your experience, you know, with these races, people coming in after dark, is there still a crowd hanging out? Does it get more rowdy at the finish line or are people like, ah, you know what? The pros and the good age groupers are done. We're going to go eat dinner. Now. Yeah. There's always a bit of a lull. Um, but then the last two hours are, are always pretty awesome to go down oh, really? and watch. Yeah. 
yeah, it's it's pretty special watching those final finishes. You get a you get a good kick out of it. You you will like a lot of the times the the top pros will go back down and hand out medals and stuff like that. It's um you know you, you're not going to sleep anyway, so you might as well go down and support your fellow Ironman athletes and uh, yeah. get a feel for it. Hey, eh? and where you finish this medal, you finish this shirt, whatever. It's a it's a hell of an achievement, a hell of a day. And everyone talks war stories for decades afterwards. So, um, you know, it's um, it's it's great to go down and fin- finish the night out and watch the very final finisher if you can if you can manage it because, uh, you know, they've been out there the longest seventeen hours of exercise. It's uh, it's just not really uh, it's not meant to be done and it's not meant for the body. So, yeah. you know, it's uh, always great to just to, to watch those final ones and uh, you know. And, and soak it all up. Hopefully, I'm not one of the final ones. I'm sure you'll be fine, Tyler. You know, I mean, that's the great thing. Like, you're still young, and you've still got a lot of, you know, and your energy will get you through there. As I said, it's mostly mental. You, your training obviously helps, but once you kick into race mode, it's all in the mind. Yeah. Well, there you have it, Brian Rhodes. Uh, awesome podcast. Uh, I'm Tyler Anderson. This is the Life Short Podcast, my journey to uh, my first Ironman. Next you hear from me, I will be in uh, Cambridge, Maryland. Well, there you have it, Brian Rhodes. Um, Brian was an awesome dude to sit down and talk to, super insightful. Uh, Man, just the amount of experience that guy has having been a pro and done over 70 full Ironmans himself, um, you know, winning five, it's insane. Super, super blessed to be able to sit down and talk to him. Um, So, you know, the race is just around the corner and really interested to see how I do. I'm going to take everybody's advice and put it into action. Hope I fuel correctly. Hope I feel good when I wake up on race day and um, hope to be coming back very shortly for a closing episode um, with good news to report. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, My name is Tyler Anderson. This is the Life Short Podcast. So get out there and do something.